0: Welcome to Go Get Great, the podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs and ambitious small business owners. I'm your host, Brittany, owner of Brittany Miller Socials and mother of three. Go Get Great is all about helping you make life and business work together. You'll learn about the fumbles that helped get me and my guests to where we are today so you don't have to make them. So come join the journey with Go Get Great. Good morning, everyone! I am so excited to welcome today's guest. Yvette is a copy. Closer. She's a conversion copywriter and launch strategist for coaches, course creators, consultants, and service providers. So she has so much valuable information to share with us today. We are going to be talking about all things copy and how to translate that into a launch strategy for your workshops, your webinars, uh, and anything else you have going on in your business. So Yvette has over six years uh, of experience in the copywriting space. And she has a few fantastic guides and resources that she's going to share with us today. So make sure that you check out the show notes to get a copy of those for yourself. She really focuses on crafting copy that helps build brands and brings their messages to life and helps you convert your prospects into actual customers and clients for your business, which is the goal of every single business owner. So she has a specific focus in sales funnels and copywriting to help service providers put your compelling offers into your online space and convert your audience into customers or clients. So we focus on that a lot in this episode and her high converting sales, copywriting positions, her clients offers with compelling marketing messages that helps you get your audience to say, heck yes, which I am so here for. So maybe even grab a notebook because today's episode is going to be full of so much fantastic information. Oh, so good morning, Yvette. How are you today? Not bad. I'm having a good day. Thanks, and you? It's going really well.
1: Okay, sounds good.
0: Uh, So you are a professional copywriter. So I'm so excited to have you on the call today because I have been trying to dip my toes into the world of copy lately and try and do some DIY myself. And uh, I'm definitely not an expert. (laughs) That is what I have learned. So I'm excited to pick your brain and share your knowledge with my audience today. Uh, so before we get started, would you mind just kind of giving us a quick introduction so we get to know you a little bit better? Okay, not a
1: problem. So um, as you said, I'm Yvette. I'm a conversion copywriter and launch strategist. I work with service providers to take their leads from pre-launch to pay with sells. So um, mm-hmm. I normally call myself the copy closer because my aim is to always have a close for my clients. So it doesn't have to be monetary because it could be making your your audience feel an emotion, connect with them, get them to take out their to put out to put in their email address or eventually to make a sale. So it, there's always a close to be made mm-hmm. and that's my job to help my clients make that close.
0: Okay, that's awesome. I really like that title. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I've had it since I created my first
1: website. Um I realized that was maybe six years ago because I got my renewal notice for my um mm-hmm. for my hosting. And that's when I realized, oh wow, um it's six years now.
0: <laughs> well good for you. That is a huge, huge milestone for your business. Thanks. So since this is the first time I've had a copywriter on my podcast, I thought it would be good to kind of start with some basics because I know the world of copy was new to me and it's probably going to be very new to my audience as well. So can you explain what you do as a, a copy closer and maybe what the difference is between a copywriter and a content writer? Because I think that there's there's a bit of a difference there.
1: Yes, there is. And it actually ties in with how I got started. Um, in the copywriting world, because uh, as a freelancer, when I first initially started writing online, it was really just to uh, you know pick up a few extra bucks here and there, you know it goes. And so I'd started out doing mm-hmm. blog posts for pennies. and um that's when I started learning what mm. content marketing was. And so I was doing more research, trying to learn how to write better blog posts, um search engine optimization, and then, um, some of my clients a- started asking me to write content for their website pages. So being me, um, I'm a history buff, so I like to research things to the depth. And so I was like, all right, <laughs> um, how website pages are written does not seem to be in the same vein as how content for blog posts and your social media is done. So. It's like the research and I started researching. I realized, okay, there's a other aspect to writing called copywriting, and that and for copywriting, you're more closer to the the sale than content. Content is tend tend to be educational, informative, um, whereas copy is more persuasive and trying to get persons to um to buy. Not all the while it's not buy, buy, buy like those, you know the the stereotype that they have of salesperson, but <laughs> you know, in an ethical way that mm. connects with people. So that's when I started learning about copywriting, when uh, my clients started asking me to do their website pages. And the more I researched, the more I realized, okay, I tend to like this better than the content marketing aspect. Because for copywriting, it requires, mm. yes, content marketing, you need to do research, but for copywriting, you need what to do what is called voice of customer research, diving into what your audience needs um, are, what their pain points are, how you can solve those problems for them. And so I realized, okay, I'm enjoying this process more. And uh, there are frameworks that you can use to do copywriting. And so I was like, okay, this is my job. And so in learning the difference between copywriting and content marketing, I realized why I needed, why I preferred copywriting.
0: So That was actually really clear for me too, because I've kind of wondered where I fall on the spectrum as a social media manager. So I definitely think that I am in the world of content writing. My job is more to help with the social media posts and kind of the basic stuff. And I like to think that I'm learning a little bit of copywriting to help persuade more people so that they get better results from their social media and emails. But I'm definitely in the world of content writing right now. So that's exciting. Um, Yes
1: and in the world and for what you do in terms of social media you definitely are stepping a bit into copywriting because you have a small amount of uh, uh, words that you can use compared to like longer form blog posts or ebooks. so you definitely have to know what persuasion tactics to use, um, how to do mm eye-catching headlines so people open and keep reading And so I'm sure you're doing quite well there.
0: (laughs) We're definitely trying. We're learning every day. And every Mm -hmm. time we learn, we get a little bit better. So that's what I'm focusing on right now. Awesome. Uh, So in terms of copywriting, obviously being as persuasive as possible in your social media content and in your emails is going to generate better results for your business. That's why people work with professional copywriters. But I know for myself and a lot of the people that are listening to my podcast and in my audience, we are ambitious and we would love to get to the point where we could hire someone to be permanently on our team, helping us with everything we do, but that's not always a reality. So if we wanted to invest in our business in a smaller capacity, where should we start with our copywriting dollars?
1: Okay. Well, it depends on what your goals are. So um, if you're revamping Mm your business and your online presence, then you're going to want to invest in a copywriter to help you with your web copy. If you're um, Mm -hmm. doubling down on your email marketing, then it pays to have someone to come in to help you with your um, emails. Um, If you're planning a launch, then you need a copywriter who will be able to help you through all the processes of your launch planning, emails, landing pages, sales page, all the copy assets that you'll need. Um, if it mm-hmm. is that you're planning, you want to start DIYing some of what you'd like to do because, you know, the budget isn't there. You just start to know it and you want to do as much as you can in-house. Then um, I I think mm-hmm. the key thing here is learning some of the copywriting framework and um, why they work. Mm. And then you can learn to apply it to different aspects of what you're doing And then uh, focus on what area of your business you need to work on now and the type of copy that will support that process now.
0: Okay, I love that. That makes a lot of sense actually. And that's the first thing that I tell my clients too. When I start with them for social media, I was like, we cannot create social media posts until we know what your goals are because that is gonna impact the different calls to action that we're doing and the type of content that we're creating. Mm -hmm. So it 100% makes sense that you would wanna have the same evaluation for um your copywriting. Yeah, yeah. So before I started working with a copywriter and I have a little bit she's helped me with a couple of my website pages and it's been a really eye-opening experience. I was kind of really leery on it. I didn't understand how someone that was not me and didn't have access to my very chaotic brain could understand my business enough to be able to write like I would, or actually in this case, better than I do. So what's your process for getting to know a client so that they can get really amazing results?
1: Okay. So yeah, um, you're the only one because even sometimes copywriters turn to other copywriters Mm -hmm. depending on what they need done. And um, web copy can be tricky sometimes, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So in terms of process um, for get into because you're not only writing for the client you're also writing for their audience and you need to have a way to merge it so for me that starts with research and uh, so for example i have a detailed copy questionnaire that my clients and i go through so i get to understand their brand i get to understand their audience and i get to understand what their goals are And Mm -hmm. then using that information from the questionnaire, I work with them to develop a brand voice tone, and messaging guide, which ensures that I'll be able to capture their voice to represent them in whatever copy I'm doing. Then in terms of the writing process that is guided Mm by information from their customers or if they don't have a a customer base yet, a lookalike audience. So that's where voice of customer research comes in that could be looking up doing surveys, mining data online. Then there's a competitor analysis. So when you merge all the three, you put them all together, then you're going to be able to come up with something that's going to sound like the brand that, that you're working with. And um being able to, mm-hmm. you know, mimic the voice of the per- the person that you're writing for is a critical skill. Otherwise everybody you write for will sound the same. So it boils down to getting to yeah, really know your client.
0: Okay, and how long would you say, just like on average, a ballpark you spend in that research phase to get to know the client before you even start writing for them?
1: Um, it depends on what the project is, but at least a week of going through the data that um they've given me, cause cause nothing starts until I get the information. I might do some background information research and stuff, mm-hmm. but. Once we've gone through that questionnaire, and can I tell you that questionnaire has cost me a couple of projects because when the um, potential, so like when I'm feeling out a client in the discovery call uh, and I'm asking certain questions and I'm not getting responses, I'll be like, okay, here's a look at what my co- copy questionnaire would be like. And um, some of the questions you need to be able to answer for me, for us to be able to work together to write a copy for your website and they'll be like, or your sales page and they'll be like, Mm. okay, I'm not at this stage yet. Let me think about it and then get back to you Mm. because I cannot answer some of these questions about my business. And that's when you know, okay, you really need to think about what you're doing so that whatever you put out there actually um, resonates with the audience that you're trying to, to target.
0: Yeah. And I say the same thing about social media too. Everyone's like, okay, I'm just starting a business. Like, let's get started with my socials. And I was like, and that's great. And you should definitely start as soon as possible. But if you don't know like who you are, what your values are, who your target clients are, you can't effectively create content, and you're gonna end up starting from Ground Zero, you know, six months down the line when you actually figure all that out and put that in place. And yeah, you might have a thousand followers, but if they're not the right followers,
1: then Definitely. it doesn't
0: matter because they're never gonna buy from you. So what's the point? Exactly. Okay. So we've talked about this a couple times and this is something that I've been researching myself, but what kind of copy formulas do you recommend for entrepreneurs that are kind of focusing on social media captions, let's say?
1: Okay, so um, there are three that you can um, use for social media captions. One is mm-hmm. PAS, um, that could be pain, agitate, solution, or um, solve or problem agitate solution. So the goal is um, the first part of your caption, you'll be identifying a pain point that your audience has. And then uh, you're going to follow that up with some um, kind of needling away at the the problem, pointing out why it's a problem, why they might have the the problem, what they might have tried before and it hasn't Mm. worked. And then you will now say this. Uh, this is the solution, which would be what you're offering, and how that would solve that problem. So PAS is a good one to start with. Um, there is also DOS, D O okay. S, desire, obstacle, solution. Mm-hmm. So your audience has a desire mm-hmm. that they want a transformation, for example, that they would like to have, um, in their life, and um, but there is an obstacle in the way, and you're going to point out what those obstacles are. Again, you might um, talk about what they might have tried that hasn't removed that obstacle um, from, that's blocking them from their desires. And then you're like, okay, here's a solution to making the difference to um, removing this obstacle so you can get to that desired state. And then the third one that you can consider is AIDA, A-I-D-A, Attention, Interest, Desire, Action. So you're going to have a caption that grabs their attention. So this is really in, important where you have um, social media captions where it's going to drop off. So you have the show more or click to read more, that kind of thing. So whatever you have at that first section has to be attention yeah. grabbing. And then you continue to build their interest, um, speaking about it. And then you, you touch tap into their desire for what might um, be a change that they could use to get to, for whatever you they brought their attention to. And then you get, tell them what action they need to take to get there.
0: Okay. I feel like I've heard these before, but I didn't understand what they were. So that was really helpful and clarifying for people. And um, you find that that's easy enough to implement in a caption. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I find that I'm very wordy in what I'm saying. And that character count limit, even on Instagram, maybe I just write too much, but is it good to use kind of these frameworks in all of your social media captions, even with that character limit?
1: Um, Yeah, because you still want to build um engagement and you want to connect. And these formulas certainly are um proven to work in terms of engaging connecting with the audience and helping them to convert whatever you are offering so it can work for a long form or it can mm-hmm. work for short form so like even if you're directing them to a landing page that header sec, the hero section of your landing page can employ any one of these formulas in just that little section alone or it could be brought throughout the hmm. entire page. So it depends on what the goal is and um, what you're aiming to do. So yeah, it doesn't have to be a short little block, okay. though it can be, it can be much longer.
0: Okay. Good to know. I didn't realize that you could do a whole framework in like one sentence. So there we go. Learn <laughs> a new thing. Okay. I would love to transition the conversation a little bit over towards your specific specialty of launch strategies and sales funnels. So can you share a bit about what a launch strategy includes and maybe how long it should be? Because I feel like this is kind of an underexplained area, even in business school, which is like what I went to school for. And I am kind of learning this concept as I go.
1: Okay. Well, a launch um, funnel is as long as you need it to be. So it depends on what it is you're offering and um, my go-to is to start with the end in mind so you know when you're going to launch and you work backwards to develop your plan and what a lot of persons fail to realize is that your pre-launch phase is just as if not as equally important as the launch process launch phase because that pre-launch phase is needed Mm -hmm. to build buzz to generate interest to get persons to know that you have something coming up. Cause like what one analogy I like to use is a movie coming out. Um you have a teaser mm. there and then you have a trailer which has a teaser in the trailer. So so you have all of these coming <laughs> out until the the movie's out and then you have merchandise after. So it's a whole process. Mm-hmm. And build that process based on what it is you want to do. So if you're doing a live launch with a webinar that may be longer than uh, say a launch to an en- already engaged audience where you're doing uh, a download or a workshop or a lead mag- a freebie as a lead magnet so um it, the launch window depends on what your launch process is going to be so you need to identify what it is you're going to use as okay. your engagement piece which would be the opt-in so if you're doing a webinar you'll need to determine when your webinar date will because then you'll need to start promoting running ads uh, have your email sequences ready for persons who opt-in uh who haven't opted in to get persons to show up on the day and then following that then your email sequence mm-hmm. um leading up to the launch of your um your sales page so uh you have to start with the ending man and then plan work it backwards. And then you know you have some persons who tend to do multiple videos, so their launch window is going to be a little bit longer than see somebody who's doing just one webinar.
0: So I am trying <laughs> to do some webinars <laughs> in my business this summer. Probably poor timing because everyone wants to be out enjoying the sunshine. But for the webinars, how long should I give myself as like a promotional lead up window to get people to actually register and show up for the webinar. I tend to be the type of person that's like, I have this fantastic idea, let's do it like next week. And I know that that's bad and I'm trying to give myself at least three to four weeks for stuff. But I feel like even that's maybe not long enough.
1: Is this a paid webinar or, or um, part of a lead magnet process?
0: No, just a- free webinars.
1: Part of a sales funnel.
0: Uh yeah so the the webinars that I run are free for people to participate in I guess they kind of act as a lead magnet for my business like you mentioned and then at the mm-hmm. end there's always a if you'd like to invest in your business and continue on the journey in this topic you know here is the next step so there I guess it's sort of a sales funnel but definitely not as formal as an actual sales funnel
1: Okay no problem so you definitely want to have um at least well if you're marketing them as a bundle then uh three to three three to four weeks before the first one is good um, prior to that you can start dropping hints um to say you have something coming up or mm-hmm. um, start talking about it build up a wait list to have um, so you can have a gauge um, mm-hmm. interest in it so you start doing up your wait list from early and then once you start actively promoting it um, three to four weeks out uh you're still building your wait list. And then you start doing your webinar invite, inviting persons to sign up. And then make sure you send you have an email sequence so to your regular list. And for those who have already mm-hmm. opted into the wait list for the, rep, for the um, webinar, so you'll need two separate um, okay. email sequence for that. And then um, when, okay. just remember to do okay. your webinar invite, your reminder to show up. Um, You might need to do at least two reminders on the day and the day before. And then um, when you're starting, your reminder when you're starting. And uh, of course, I'm sure you have a landing page for it uh, in
0: terms of. I do now. I didn't (laughs) the last few times. (laughs) (laughs) We are back after some technical difficulties. Uh, But we were chatting about uh, a launch strategy for my webinars. You mentioned something about um, some paid advertisements to kind of support the process. Yes. So if
1: you're going to be using paid um, ads to support the process, you need to think about um, retargeting ads as well. So there is the regular ads that you do to tell persons about the upcoming webinar, which will direct them to your webinar sign up page. Um, but you'll have persons who visit who may not mm. sign up at the time. So you now need retargeting ads for persons who visited the page, but didn't sign up. And those ads tend to be slightly different from the initial ads that would have gotten them to the page in the first place, because they, they're no more informed. Mm. They're further along on the on the awareness spectrum. So you want to change it up a bit for them to, to want to say, okay, um, Maybe I should have signed up and have them go back and sign up. And then the same thing when you do have okay. when well, you said the gotcha. webinar will not be leading to a sales page. But if you have a sales page for um, an offer at the end of your three webinar series, then it would be something similar. So um retargeting ads for the sales page, retargeting ads um designed for persons who clicked by, went to the checkout page but never con but never went any further. So there's all of that you need to build into Mm. when you're thinking about the process.
0: Okay, wow. Yeah, this is like a lot, a lot more comprehensive than I realized. I tend to focus uh, social media on organic. So I don't do a lot of ads, even for my Mm -hmm. own business. Um, So yeah, I didn't realize that there were so many options that you could do to kind of bolster that engagement and registrations for your webinars and the paid offers after. So how long would that, I don't want to say that process, but if you were doing like retargeting ads and things like that, how long would you usually give yourself to make sure that they're effective? Like to me, that sounds like at least a week or more to kind of have the ads have time to do their thing, right?
1: Yes. So remember, you'll you'll have a webinar um, date. So the retargeting only starts once Mm -hmm. persons have gone on the sign up page and it will run until your webinar date um, arrives. So you're more going to focus on how long mm-hmm. you'll be running ads in the lead up to the the webinar itself. So that you'll need to determine uh, how, how many persons you're targeting, um, what other um, resources are you using? Will it be doing social media? Do you have an engaged email list that wouldn't have already gone through this offer that would be interested right. so all of that um will mm-hmm. will be important in determining how if you will need additional resources to increase um sign up for your webinar
0: gotcha okay so you do add retargeting even for the initial webinar registration okay i was thinking more so you know they've done the webinar you offered them oh. this buy this. How long do you get okay. those retargeting um advertisements? But yeah, that's a separate thing. <laughs> no,
1: that that's entirely up to you know because if it's a sale, if it's a specific sale, which means that there is a start and end date, then once the sale ends, the retargeting ends. But if it's something that you're going to be doing mm. ongoing, um then you would have um ads going as long as your budget allows, because I have seen, I haven't worked with anyone that has done the perpetual ads, but I have um, been retargeted by, and I love to to, um, to track how they do it, but I have been retargeted, um, persons who have retargeted yeah. me and they've done it for months because theirs is an evergreen funnel, so you can join yeah. at any point. But mm-hmm. if you're running a sale, which has a start and end date. Then you know that there is a cutoff point.
0: I was like, oh man, I have like so much information now, and also so many questions. Um, so I have a pretty good understanding of the world of email marketing, which is kind of a really strong component of launch strategies often. Uh, but I know not all my listeners are kind of at that point, and uh, I haven't had a chance to do a, a podcast talking about the different types of sequences. But you just mentioned something that I'm not sure my audience is going to be familiar with, so. Can you explain the difference between like a sales funnel, which is what we've been talking about and an evergreen funnel?
1: Okay. So a sales funnel generally, well, an evergreen funnel is a sales funnel, but it would be like a live launch versus Mm -hmm. an evergreen launch. So a live launch means that you're doing something actively to say, get persons in. you're going to be live with them, whether it's video. Um, a, series, a video series or vi- or live video um, training and you will have a cutoff time for the completion of the sale. So you're actively in the process throughout the mm-hmm. entire um, thing. Once you've um, refined that to a point you now where you are able to automate everything, that's when you have an evergreen funnel where you will... um you're not actively involved in the process so you will still have maybe a webinar but you're not turning up live the webinar you're advertising the webinar as available mm-hmm. on a particular date person sign up but you're not live they're watching a recording from a previous live event that you would have done and then you would have had a sales sequence that follows mm-hmm. that a email sequence that follows that um follows them after they've watched the video a sequence that encourages them to Mm -hmm. um, take the final act which is by whatever the offer is and then you have that on repeat and Mm -hmm. so you can run those funnels um, continuously or you can have set times of the year that you have those funnels um, go live.
0: Mm -hmm. This is the whole Make money while you sleep, concept that everyone talks about online. Uh, that's how you typically do it with Evergreen. So, you like you mentioned, you run the, something a few times, really perfect it, and then you just kind of automate and record everything. And then you pick a specific time of year where you run it, and you, you can still be doing other things because you're not showing up live, yes. like you mentioned. So, I mean, I feel like that's the goal for a lot of business owners, but obviously it takes some time to get to that point due to the amount of things that are involved in the process. Cause I know yeah, for myself, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was running webinars earlier th- this spring and I didn't even have landing pages for them. It was literally just like a calendar invite and people just signed up. And then I sent them an email later with the link to the zoom and did that. But, you know, every time you kind of go through the process, you have more time to do a little bit more. So, you know, this time I have landing pages and I'm working on building out some of the pre and post email sequences to go with it. So if you are listening to this and you are looking to do something new, don't expect to, you know, come in yes, and have this giant everything file to go along with no, it. No. It's going to no, take some time. It maybe it, it be steps. That <laughs> if
1: you don't have the, the funds to invest right away, then definitely you start with what you can and then you add each time you do. And mm-hmm. each time you learn more, you improve your processes, you add something else until you get to exactly where you need to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were talking earlier about your, your pre-launch to paid, um, your package, do you typically work with people at any stage of this process? Like if I came to you today and went, Hey, I have this idea, you would build out all of that. Or do you typically prefer some of your clients who have gone through like one or two iterations of what it is they want to do so that there's some sort of like refinement for them?
1: Um, well, because I work with both, I don't normally have a preference. Because some persons are just starting out, um, because the the offer isn't proven as yet, um, there it will be a learning process, and it may not go as planned because you haven't mm-hmm. um verified that this is something your audience definitely wants. So, um, the outcome just might not mm-hmm. be as, and there are not many areas that will be able to to be refined per se, um as somebody who has done these launches before, mm-hmm. has the data and will be able to work through what worked, what didn't, and what we might need to optimize. But I do work with both segments. Right. So um I can mm-hmm. see where um how to help in each era.
0: And uh can you talk a little bit more about what that package is because I noticed you also have something that's your launch copy kit for higher conversions. Is that all part of the same pre-launch to paid package or are those two separate things?
1: Okay, so um pre-launch to paid is really my process in terms of working with clients in term for I take their audience from the early stages pre-launch to the final stages paid. The launch copy kit is a Mm -hmm. summary of what clients need. In terms of the pre-launch, launch, and the launch and the post-launch phase, the what they need to ensure that they have done. So I have this as a checklist that's available for um mm. persons who may be interested. So like in your pre-launch phase, there are several questions you need to consider, like having your on your launch date and work backwards to so, say you've worked out the timeline. Um, mm-hmm. you have do you have your opt-in ready? Um, if yes. How is your landing page in terms of um, is it compelling enough to get persons to sign up? Do you have your nurture email sequences Mm -hmm. ready? And this is all pre-launch. So before you even start considering your sales page, your sales emails, your launch emails, you need to have that phase already set up. And then post-launch, what a lot of persons haven't done Mm -hmm. is after you have a launch, You need to do a debrief and part of that debrief is identifying Mm. why persons bought and why they didn't buy so you need to pull both your audiences so the persons who joined the program why did they buy Um, persons who didn't why didn't they and there you have so much data from that that you can use for your next iteration of your launch so you know to optimize your copy to know what resonated with people and how you can um further explain what you do and how what you're offering will make a transformation in their life. And then you also have to think about um, ensuring that Mm. the person who did buy feel like they have made the right decision. So you need to have email copy ready to go for for that purpose. And then you also have to still build a little excitement after the post-launch date because so that's where your social content comes in where your social media, you're talking about maybe how well the launch went, um, excitement from students. So you're still talking about it. So it's top of mind for a person and maybe even asking them to join the wait list for when mm-hmm. you next launch. So the copy kit is really mm-hmm. just uh, okay. as, um, a guideline in terms of what you need to consider for each phase. And then um, I'm expanding it to add um, different aspects. So like the anatomy of a sales, a uh, high-converting sales page that will be added to the co- to the copy kit when it's done, or give it to persons who've already downloaded the copy kit, so they'll be have access to it.
0: Okay, well, I will definitely be downloading that because there is obviously a lot more included in this process than even I realize as like an email marketing uh, manager. So. I love learning new things like this. And it's nice that it's all in a list. I'm a huge check the box, know (laughs) what I need to do, get it done kind of person. So this is perfect. So I'll make sure that this amazing resource is linked in the show notes for any of you guys listening that want a copy of this as well. I feel like we kind of answered a lot of the stuff that I had talked about. Is there anything specific that you would like to mention in terms of like copywriting or like launching? Um, Okay. Let's see. Um, Well, we could talk about my
1: ECC blueprint in terms of writing content that Mm. will um, support your audience. So this is a framework I use for um, planning stuff as well as writing copy and it's a three part process. So it's engage, connect, convert, and you're trying to do all three with your audience and it depends on where they are in the process. So for um, engagement, you're looking at increasing brand awareness and you're trying to get your audience involved with your brand. So you're looking at a customer-focused copy that's going to pique the audience's interest. And um, social media will definitely play a part in this aspect as well, as if you have an email list and you Mm -hmm. want to um, um, send out emails that will be along the nurture areas where you're engaging them, um, talking um, stories you're leading into story, personal stories, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, connection now is about building your following right. you're connect, connecting with your audience and you want to bring them into the fold with persuasive copy that you know will connect to their pain points, their emotions and get them um, further along the, um, fun, uh, the funnel and closer to the end um, for the sale. And then convert, as the name suggests, is getting them to say yes. To say here is my card or here is my email address. I want to <laughs> stay involved with you or want to work mm-hmm. with you. So um, that part now is like about getting your clients to trust you and to see that yes, you're going to offer them that transformation that they desire. So it can be in terms of the mm. the copy assets that you're doing. Or in terms of the copy that you're writing, then it's about ensuring that you're hitting all these nails on the head in the content that you've put out. So for example, okay. look, we've been talking about funnels and launches. So the pre-launch phase is about engagement and connection. The launch phase is about conversion. And then the post-launch phase is about, um, again, engagement and connection. So it's a cycle that your business will go through and it supports the entire process what you do and what you put and the words that you put on screen for persons.
0: So the first step of this is obviously E to engage. So what can my listeners and probably myself too, let's be honest, what can we do like today or within the next week or something that would help us with the engagement piece so that we could then work on connecting and then converting our existing audience?
1: Okay. So behind the scenes content is a great way to start. Um, show them what you're working on, tell them what's, okay. what's coming up, what to expect, um, teasers of what you're offering, uh, client testimonials when done right um, is a great way to engage your audience in terms of how you put it out there. So those are just um, three things you can start off mm-hmm. with this week. to so start engaging with your audience, asking them questions, okay. um, telling them you're interested in doing X, Y, and Z. What are there? Because um, I wanted to do uh, I was looking at a lead magnet that I wanted to do, but then I was like, all right, let me ask. Um, and when I asked, the overwhelming response was not the one that I thought <laughs> was what they needed. I was like, okay, oh. definitely need to pull your audience every now and again. So that's a great way to build engagement with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, asking them questions, it interactive mm-hmm. with. Them. And uh, yeah, definitely be on the seats content, um, content from your um, happy clients and customers.
0: Mm, I love this because this is like the foundation of what I teach and also give my clients in the social media strategies that we do, uh, because it is mm-hmm. really important to kind of create that connection with them. And a lot of times that's moving past what often we think as entrepreneurs of this is what my audience needs and no, usually what they need is to get to know you as a human, because they want to know that where they're putting their money is going to get the results. And that it comes from trusting the professional behind the account that's offering a product or service for them. So I really, I really like that. And you mentioned too, and this is something that I've been learning about in my, my copywriting studies for client testimonials. It's not a case of, you know, here's a, a, A testimonial that someone left me on my Google page, you know, thanks so much for the review. Like, yes, that's nice. And people read it, but they're more of a passive audience when they read it and they need more like instruction to get them thinking in the headspace of, you know what, I could be that person if I work with Brittany or whoever. So, do you have any tips to kind of help us take those testimonials and kind of rewrite them in a more effective way to get the viewer to envision themselves as that person?
1: Okay, so in terms of getting the information from your happy clients, you need to ask them what they were struggling with before they came to work with you, um, what difference has it, has it made, and what um transformation they've seen, and then, um, you just use their words mm. more most times. Sometimes you'll definitely have to maybe fill them out and rewrite it, but you want to focus on those three things in a testimonial: the pain points. Um, what the, what solutions they may have tried and why it didn't work and how working with you was the solution they ultimately needed and tie those three together. And that's looking mm. at your, um, or, could, and, um, the, those copywriting formulas we were talking about earlier, you could see how that came out, the PAS, and mm-hmm. then, um, you can even use yeah. that, what they were hoping to achieve, what was standing in their way and how what you did got them to the, the end goal that they had in mind. And that's that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because uh, the one thing, like I said, that I've been learning is that, you know, people see the transformation, but they can't envision themselves there. So really, I think the yeah. the key point in that is identifying the pain point that your existing clients had before they started. Because if that's a pain point they had, chances are the people that are following you on social media have the same or very similar pain point. And when you can clearly identify what that is and how you get them from A to Z, that's what's going to increase your conversions. Definitely. Love it. (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. I feel like that is really useful strategy and something that I need to get better at doing myself too. Honestly, I keep going, you know, Hey, can you give me a Google review? Can you give me a Google review? And it's great because it's building like demonstratable proof for my business, but I haven't put the pieces in place to kind of go through that with my clients and be like, okay, can you tell me where you, where you started from what you tried, what didn't work. So I need to go back and revisit my offboarding survey and kind of put some of those pieces in so that when people Mm -hmm. fill it out, I'm actually getting the information I need to help more people.
1: Definitely. And sometimes uh, on calls with clients, I'm guilty of this. I forget to hit record. But sometimes when you're reviewing the content and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's good to have to be recording because they'll drop some gems there that you could possibly Mm act if they can use. Because um, when you're just interacting, discussing the information that you've put in front of them and they're like, oh, they're so blown away and they're explaining to you why what you've done is um it makes them so happy you just have content right there to support what they're saying and it's directly from their mouth so sometimes it's good to also record those calls especially off, off-boarding calls.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah that's actually a really good point I never thought about that I have like a canvas size Canva eyes PDF that I send my clients to be like, here's all the information that you need for offboarding. And I just kind of let them review it on their own. So yeah, maybe I should start booking calls and doing it on calls with my clients so that we can do that. That's a fantastic piece of advice. I like that. Uh, I just want to ask you some general, general questions now, because I'm really curious to get your take on some of these things. So if we're interested in learning more about copywriting where do you recommend we start do you have like a podcast that we could check out of your own or someone else's or like is there a book that you really read to kind of that kind of got you started on this journey
1: okay so um for me i'm a copy school advocate so um you can look for copy school on youtube they have a lot of um tutorial videos that are a great way to start and they have an intro to conversion copy course, mm. which okay. is um very short and um, not expensive. Um, that's a good way to start. Um, because when I started, I was doing a lot of courses all over the place, a lot of um, re- watching a lot of videos and stuff, and I find that I didn't advance mm-hmm. as quickly as I would have liked until I actually invested mm-hmm. in something. Um worthwhile and so copy school is the place for um for me there. And so what I'm also going to be doing is I'll be teaching what I know. Um I'm starting my YouTube channel next month as well. Uh, thank you. So I'm looking Ooh. at doing bite-sized <laughs> nuggets, bite-sized nuggets based on what clients normally ask me, the questions and normally I'll have when we're doing working on their projects. Mm-hmm. So those bite-sized copy uh, will be about just helping persons understand the different aspects of their pre-launch, the paid process and getting it right for them to um, to be able to connect, engage, convert their audience a bit more easily.
0: Okay, yeah, that sounds amazing. Definitely let me know when that goes live because I will be subscribing to that. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, so I Get feel like writing. you, yeah. Okay, good. Well, that makes it easy easy to find. And I'll, I'll link your <laughs> website and socials and things like that in the, the show notes so that people can find you too, because I feel like you're a really big wealth of knowledge for this. And you take it to kind of a different level. So I've connected with copywriters before, and I've talked to people that are launch strategists, but you're one of the first people that I've come across that kind of does both. And it makes sense because I feel like they're so heavily in... Intertwined, you kind of can't do one without the other. Like you can have fantastic copy, but if there's no strategy about how to put it in place, then it's probably not going to convert as well. And you can have the launch strategy, but if it doesn't make sense, then you're still not going to convert. So you kind of need to put the two together. Yeah, right. yeah. So one of my favorite questions to ask my guests is what is the biggest mistake or failure you made? And what did you learn from it?
1: Oh, gosh. Learning to say no. i been a chronic people pleaser and um learning to say no Mm, has been one of my challenges so I think the biggest mistake that and that one that cost me a few years back um was I have a a client that I've always enjoyed working with and um they had a project due no I normally don't like rush projects um, because they're coming at the end of the day saying, oh, this needs to be done ASAP because the client, their client didn't do what they needed to do. And so we're um we're about to miss the deadline. I checked my my schedule and I was like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. I can, I can, you know, put it in. I should, my gut was saying no. Um, And because uh, I think in one of your previous podcast episodes, you're talking to, um, I don't remember her name and she was saying, when your gut says something, listen, because um, when you're mm-hmm. you're working, um, you have a discovery call with clients and you're feeling this thing like saying, no, maybe I shouldn't and you don't follow it. You always end up um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> regretting it. I was like, right, I know I shouldn't have said yes. Yep. <laughs> and so it didn't end well because it was a lot of work in a very short space of time and I It wouldn't have been um, ideal and I should have just gone with my gut and Mm -hmm. said, no, it can't happen. So since then, um, I've started ensuring that whenever I say yes to projects, I'm in a position to do as I have agreed because the worst feeling for me is not delivering on my promise and it haunts me. (laughs) So. I try. I'm still learning to say no, but I'm getting so much better.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know what? It's hard to, especially in the industry that we work in, because there have been times even recently too, where, you know, I've taken on a project that had a little bit shorter of a deadline than I would have liked, but you know, I could have done it. But then when you're waiting on content and input from your clients that you don't get on time they somehow still don't realize that they're the reason that the deadline wasn't hit and it falls back <laughs> on you, even though it really was out of your control. So it can be very challenging to do that. So I think learning to say no is something that I'm still working on, but probably one of the best things that any entrepreneur can do with any different business. Hmm. Okay. Uh, There was one more thing that I was going to ask you. And... Uh, is uh what are you doing for personal or professional development right now to kind of help grow your copywriting business okay so right now i'm doing a course on ux design for
1: copywriters by ralitza um it's about mm-hmm. learning how design impacts copy and copy oh. impact design because normally as copywriters we always prefer copy mm. before oh design because <laughs> when you're forced to put the content within a design, it can throw off the messaging that you're trying to deliver. So you want to be able to kind of influence mm-hmm. how it's design. So it's not just but it's not really um, as copywriters, we're not designers. So we're not telling you how to design the page. We're just saying, this is where you put um content. This is where you might put an image. This is where you put the video, that kind of thing, And then your designer would go in and make it look good mm-hmm. and seamless. So with um mm-hmm. user experience, design for copywriters, I'm hoping now to kind of improve my knowledge on the design aspects. So when I'm putting together wireframes for client landing pages, their websites or sales pages, I kind of understand better the user experience that I'm trying to develop with copy. And so it makes it easier for the designers to do their job.
0: Hmm. Yeah, this is something that I can speak to from personal experience. So I am neither a copywriter nor a designer, but I'm trying my best DIY. So I was working with a copywriter for my website and I had also had a designer create the homepage, but I didn't know that copy needed to come first. So then my designer gave me a layout, which then my copywriter had to try and work in and it didn't quite work 100%. So then for the rest of the pages, I was like, okay, well, I'll just get the copy from her and then I'll build them myself, which Mm -hmm. is easier in the sense that, you know, we've got the right words, but then sometimes it's almost challenging too, because you're like, I have these great words, but how do I present it in a way that really conveys the message of it well? still? So I feel like website specifically is a very um, complex and intricate project and you kind of need professionals to work on it. Almost at the same time to kind of be like, okay, this is what I'm thinking. How can we design it? Uh, Because it is challenging. And it's definitely one of those projects that (laughs) I wish I didn't have to DIY.
1: Yeah, definitely. But your copywriter gave you a wireframe to help you with the layout for the pages, right?
0: A little bit. Not... I mean, I don't know, because I've never done this before. She did for some of them. I feel like maybe not so much as others. So I kind of oh. just have like words in a Google Doc and I have to try and figure oh. out how to make it look nice. So,
1: Oh, okay. Okay. a so creative normally project. I do, yeah, <laughs> but normally what I do for copy, for website copy uh, provide wireframes, which is what I was talking about. We'll tell you where you would put um, a head out, where you'd put a crosshead, um how you would lay it out on the page Mm. going down and so where the design element comes in is to make sure it looks good so and um the the branding and everything um, fits in with it but the wireframe even in the it as a google Mm -hmm. doc it shows you where you put what and um what you can and then give suggest so if they're going to put an image here the best suggestion of Mm. what type of image would work with the copy and what will go on Mm -hmm. the left, what will go on the right. And then you
0: design the page to fit that. Mm, Gotcha. Okay. No, I didn't necessarily get that with mine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's a really cool kind of next step for your business. I think that'll be really helpful because I have, you know, having this awareness now, not that I really studied this, but just kind of being through the experience. I go and I look at, you know, clients, websites and people that I'd like to be clients when I'm doing my research before I send out proposals. And there are some amazing people that are not reflected well in the digital space is kind of what I'm learning. So I think that there's definitely an opportunity for you to share that knowledge and help a lot of individuals.
1: Yeah, because even with mine, I'm currently in the process of doing over my website. Um, It's been six years. I DIY'd mine where whatever I broke, <laughs> I just asked my brother to fix because he's a web developer. But no, <laughs> I I actually nice. followed the process I do for my clients where I wrote the copy, um, did up the wireframe and I had a designer, my brother, um, actually designed the pages for me so they look a lot better. So I'm hoping that by nice. the end of the month that that will be launched. So I'm getting to see the transition from where I was Ooh, to exactly. where I'm
0: now. Yep, <laughs> can Yeah, it's mind-blowing to see the difference. I did my rebrand. Well, I started it last fall, and it's still a work in progress. But it—it's just huge. It, it's like a such a big milestone for your business, but also for yourself to see that transformation. So good for <laughs> yeah. you. I'm excited for it to go live. <laughs> All right. Well, it was so amazing having you on today that thank you for being here and sharing your amazing expertise about copywriting and launching and how they can work together to really make a difference for us entrepreneurs. So as I mentioned before, I will link all of her amazing information in the show notes for you. And just again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to go get great. I hope you found some useful tips and tricks that can help you make life and business work together. If what I said resonates with you, please share it on social media and don't forget to tag at Brittany Miller socials so that I can celebrate you for taking those first steps towards achieving greatness. Remember, success doesn't happen overnight. It takes dedication, hard work, and a lot of spirit. So don't be afraid to dream big and go after what you want. Keep striving for greatness. You get closer with every step forward, no matter how small they may seem. Until next time, go get great.